month, so that means we're going to have communion today, and uh, we normally would have birthday cake for all the birthday people, but uh, Sherry's not here with her cake, so we're going to do that next week. But just so you know, the birthdays for December are Pam Bennett and uh, Jenny Burgart and Rachel Huddleston, so on the 12th, right? So happy birthday to the December babies, and uh, we'll have cake for you next week. We uh, Other announcements, next Sunday, we're going to have Hobe and Adria from Honduras, and they're going to come tell us about their mission, give us an update, and um, we get to hear how that's going, and we're really looking forward to that. And uh, so we're going to have um, early for breakfast, we're going to have cinnamon rolls and fruit available because they're going to arrive early to set up. So if you want to come hang out a little early with them, we'll have that available. And then after the service, uh, we have lunch paid for, and we're going to go to Pueblo Viejo. Or actually, is it going to get brought here? going to get brought here. So, um, so let Randy know if you want to stay for lunch so that we can get the proper amount ordered. And uh, can hang out with Hope and Adria, get to encourage them and hear from them some more. And uh, also, if hopefully you saw the email uh, either directly from them or from uh, the church that Hope is uh, wanting to get computers for some of his uh, fellow students in the seminary there. And um, some of them don't have computers that can do the work that they need to do. And so he's gathering that. And so if you would like to, if you have an older computer that um, is good enough, so there's some information in the email from Randy on what that means. You can also talk to me about that. Um, Then we can send that. We have information on how to get that to them. Or if you'd like to purchase one, uh, we can also get that. And uh, I'm already helping some people pick some things out to do that, so uh, let us know if you uh, want to contribute to Hobe's um, project of getting computers for the seminary students there. And uh, of course, we'll also be giving to their mission, so be prepared for all that. So anyway, big big Sunday next week. Lots of time with Hobe and Adria, and it'll be great to see them and the kids, which I've not met any of their kids yet. I don't. Th- I think I missed last time they were here. So anyway. Looking forward to that. We also have a Ladies of Grace uh, Christmas tea coming up on December 16th, 10 a.m. here at Grace Bible Church in the building. So bring an ornament to exchange, and as you do every year, that'll be a, you exchange it, and then you know who to pray for for the next year. So that's 10 a.m. at Grace Bible Church. All right. We're going to do Advent candle lighting. Is that happening next? I believe it is. Yes. I don't know. Anybody know the answer to that question? Bring a brunch item. Probably safe. I bet someone will eat it if you do. All right. If anybody knows the answer to that question and hasn't, is not here, but is watching, you can let Trisha know. 
So, all right. Charlene, would you come up and help me light the candle? I'm going to pick on you. Father God, I thank you for the Advent season. I thank you for what we're celebrating, which is the uh, the beginning of your coming of your Son. We uh, we see it as the cute, cuddly baby in the manger, and all the gathering of family and the cozy times and Christmas and all that that means to us and it does mean that it is all that it is a special time the Lord is more as it's this bigger part of the story of you bringing us back into your family and ultimately it leads to that little baby growing up to become the the man Jesus who is also fully God fully man who becomes the perfect sacrifice for our sin that allows us to become part of your family that defeats the evil that defeats the spiritual powers Lord I just thank you for that and uh, I pray that as we look into those mysteries in this Advent series that our hearts would be impacted by that that you would penetrate beyond the usual trappings of Christmas and family gatherings and holidays into Advent, that we would really uh, understand what this means, that we would begin to delve into those mysteries, and that we would accept you into our hearts, into our lives, and uh, just really appreciate the fact that we are now a part of your family, that we get to have access to you to your throne and to your kingdom. Father, I pray for the service this morning that you would be glorified here. All these things we pray in your son's name, who we're, who we are celebrating. Amen. I can't seem to get out of my head. Well, I wish I had your enthusiasm. Look at me. <laughs> I know I said yes, and I meant it. But I also ran for the hills. Is that someone who's highly favored? 
I'm so glad you came. You ran to the arms of someone who understands more than you know. It's too much. I mean, no one believes me. My parents look at me like I've betrayed them and I'm lying. And the townspeople look at me like I'm hiding some big secret. I know what I saw. And I know I said yes and I meant it, but is this what I said yes to? Oh, try not to worry too much. I know from experience that the Lord has a grand way of getting us all on board with this plan. <laughs> I've laughed more in these six months than I have in my whole life. Well, I wish I could say the same, but Joseph isn't laughing. I mean, he's not laughing at all. Well, maybe Joseph needs to take some advice from Zachariah. He hasn't said a thing about our situation. Is it true? Zachariah hasn't been able to speak since you found out you were pregnant? Isn't it wonderful? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that's just it. Maybe it's just... It's too wonderful. If the Lord has chosen an old woman beyond her years and a young woman before her time, who are we to argue with him? Shouldn't I feel more joyful? Because all I keep thinking is, why me? Mary, this child has been written about for hundreds of years by the prophets. And now it's coming to pass just as the Lord said it would. Oh, joy is not found in knowing why or how God does anything. The joy comes in saying yes to him when he calls. Well, I guess I did do that. <laughs> oh, yes, you did, my girl. <laughs> we are so blessed, Mary, that the Lord is fulfilling his promises to us through us. Joy to the world, the Lord has come.
and uh, worship. We're going to have time to get into God's Word, find out some things that He has for us in this final month of the year. But on this day, we also have the Lord's Supper. So we turn to Him and celebrate what He has done. It's also Advent, so we're looking forward to His coming and remembering all of that as well. But this is a time of of looking at what he accomplished in his work on the cross, what he did with uh, 
changing the whole future of humanity. So this is our chance to remember him and, uh, and that we're privileged to be part of what, what he's doing. This is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. He chose us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger, but to bring us into his family. And that's what we get to celebrate in this moment. So if you would, you have your uh, communion uh, kit, I suppose, right there in front of you. Peel off that part that has the unleavened bread. And... Take that bread. That bread represents that bread of life. Jesus declared that his body was being sacrificed on our behalf. He told his friends that was what was uh, unfolding as God provides. God has given life. He does it, and bread represents the food and his provision and all that he's done on our behalf. So take and eat. Lord, we are grateful. Thank you for the life made possible by Jesus. Thank you for the sacrifice made on our behalf. Thank you that he was willing to go through what he did to make a better life possible for us. And not just in the short term, but forever. And we thank you again for that. Amen. On the other end, you find the uh, fruit of the vine. And that represents the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ. The life is in the blood. He gave his life on our behalf. And that blood washes away our sin. Take and drink. And Lord, we are grateful. We're grateful for the, uh, the sacrifice for the blood you shed that things might be made possible for us to live life fully, abundantly in you. And we give you the praise for you are worthy. Amen. Cool. 
you have been to or seen many Christmas programs. If you watch Hallmark, you get to see a lot of movies. It's the same movie, it's just different people. <laughs> but Christmas time, there's, there's lots and lots of movies about saving Christmas, saving Santa. The theme, that theme seems to populate many of the TV movies and theme, or different things that, that pop up. So we're not doing any of that. What we're going to look at is the Messiah. We're going to look at who he is and what was happening when he came. And so we're going to back some things up, go back to uh, the beginning. We're also going to delve into what's behind the curtain, what was happening with uh, what God was doing, what his intent was, and how he brings all of those things to be, and as a result, there are mysteries. God has mysteries in in His presentation. It would seem from from the various books and approaches that that we have at Christmas time that this is pretty straightforward. There's a baby. This this miracle thing happens, and lo and behold, uh, the baby comes, and and we're all good from there on. Uh, peace on earth. Goodwill toward men, which is really a misquote of the verse from the angel. Anyway, we're not getting into. But we're going to back up and take a look at the mysteries. We begin today. We will follow this through uh, this month. So we have some things to look at. And we will uh, also have some some of this come to light on Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve, we have a service in the morning and Christmas Eve night. So, we, I mean, we have the whole, we have a lot going on that day. And we're going to cover these things. So I hope you can hang in there. So we're going to be uh, primarily uh, looking at each of the synoptic gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke are the synoptics because they are s- having a similar look. Is what that means. So we're going to have a similar look at what is unfolding as Jesus is is coming. We have these uh, these uh, records, of this information. So we're going to take a look at those next week. We'll have Hoban Adrius. So they're going to talk about the mission in Honduras. So next week we'll we you know we're not doing this. So we're, that's that'll it'll keep us going though the rest of the month. So mysteries of the Messiah. Introduction. You need to see this, and this is from Ephesians uh, chapter 3. So uh, the Apostle Paul had access to heavenly information. Remember, when he comes to know Jesus, he meets him on the road to Damascus. The Lord shows up. He's resurrected. He's already died. He's resurrected. He's ascended. He's been in heaven. He's back, and he comes to visit Paul. So Paul has had that that encounter. He has more encounters. Jesus comes and visits him. Jesus trains him, and he gives him information. So this information is very helpful, and he's giving some background, and he begins to fill in some gaps, and this is part of it in Ephesians chapter 3. He says, I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen 
rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. So he's chosen to explain this mystery. So God, the creator, makes a plan and he's kept it secret. And from the church perspective, it's often the case that we go, well, we pretty much know everything. You know, I got the Christmas story down. There's Mary, there's a baby, there's some wise men. We're done. Let's get on to decorating and punch and other things that are important and miss the fact that God, the creator of all things, had set this up and, and this mysterious plan is being worked out. So the people didn't know. Here's Paul 2,000 years ago. There were people here 3,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago. They didn't know this. It's a mysterious plan that God had, the creator had. And he's working out this plan. And he said he's kept it secret from the beginning. So he's letting us in on something that has been hidden. He's allowing us to see behind the curtain the things that God is doing to accomplish his purposes and and. Some of that has to impact us because God, God's plan to have us in his family. He wants us to enjoy an abundant life. There are things that we need to know from God's perspective, what he is doing with all creation, including us. So the secrets are out there. So here's God has secrets. The war is real. This war that's going on that he was talking about that He's having to display his wisdom to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. There's some things going on there. Well, this is from Deuteronomy, Old Testament uh, passage, Deuteronomy 29, 29. And he says, the Lord our God has secrets known to no one. Wait a minute, I thought we knew everything. Because that's why we make the decisions we do based on the fact that we know everything. The Lord our God has secrets known to no one. We are not accountable for them. Well, that makes sense. But we and our children are accountable forever for all that he has revealed to us so that we may obey all the terms of these instructions. So he's given instructions to the, the people of Israel at this point. He's given them instructions. He says, I haven't given you everything. I've just given you what you need to know now. So this is the information. Do what I tell you, and you and you'll be in a whole lot better shape than if you don't. So, you know, that's that's kind of good to know. We need to know what it is that God is doing, because we don't understand all that the powers, the unseen powers and authorities, we don't know what they're up to. We don't know even our own nature and what direction that's taking us. And what the person next to us, what's happening in their head and in their heart. And the nation next to them, what's in their head, what's in their heart. Where is that headed? What's around the next curve? What's over the next hill? And God knows, and he knows what we need. And he's given them the instructions that they needed at that time. But that doesn't mean he gave them everything. He did not keep... uh, them abreast of everything that he was doing. He's an eternal being, an infinite ability. He knows all things. There's no way they could handle it. Their little brains would just explode. And ours will too. 
Lord, our God has secrets known to no one, but he has revealed some things. And he says, we're supposed to be keeping up with the things he's revealed. And that's the responsibility we still have, to keep up with the things that he's told us and do them. Well, let's go a little further. Here's an overview. And let me give you this quote from Sun Tzu. It's very not biblical. The art of war. So ancient Chinese wisdom right here. Let your plans be dark and impenetrable as night, and when you move, fall like a thunderbolt. All right. There's a bit of information that might be helpful. What kind of things are we dealing with? Well, there are rebels in heaven and on earth, rebels against God. They have turned their back on him. They've gone their own way. They're thinking uh, in any way to, to destroy the things that he's trying to do, the rebels and the ones in heaven, the divine beings that have turned against God are angry, particularly, this really set him off, that he was paying attention to humanity, Adam and Eve. He didn't, they didn't like that. So there's this whole battle that has unfolded. And with the different rebellions that have happened, they have turned their efforts towards dividing and defeating And if they can, kill as many people as they can. Keep them far away from God. Keep them imbalanced. Keep them confused. Keep them angry. Keep them uh, caught up in every trivial little thing and missing out on the life that's possible in God. So they want to, they rejoice at being able to confuse and keep families. And we go into the holidays and people love the movies where everybody comes together, but mostly people don't get along. So we're getting into the time of, the year when people get to sit down together and not like each other. And it's one of those weird things. You go, well, why would that even be? We're supposed to be gathered around the eight-and-a-half-pound baby Jesus and rejoicing, and then we find ourselves at each other's throats. Why? Because there's a battle going on. There's a battle to divide. And we listen to the stuff, the whispers, the stuff in our heads, the stuff that's floating around in the culture, all of it. And we get all built up in ourselves, and then we turn on each other, and you go, the very thing we're not supposed to do is what we do. And then we're allowed in this moment, because of God the Creator who sent His Son to bring us together so that we can experience an entirely different kind of life. The secret's out there that we don't understand or some of the details of, so what's the enemy up to? The enemies, the rebels. And then there are human rebels as well. So we've got rebels, human uh, human and divine, who have turned against God. The culture, for the most part, is doing its own thing in opposition to whatever God has revealed would be good. Whatever would be good for people, whatever would be good for people, encouraging, building up one another, it goes a different direction. And what it calls good, it defines by its own, uh, in its own way, so that the good is not what God is saying. In fact, for many in the culture, God is not good. The Bible's not good. They don't want to even call it the good book. They want to go a whole different direction because there are rebels on earth who are opposed to what God's doing. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to be held accountable to it. They just want to erase him from history. And they want to erase anybody who holds to him. 
from history. So around the world right now, the people who call in the name of Jesus are being persecuted and killed because there's another battle, human rebellion going on that says, we don't want you on the earth. So that's happening. And it's happening around us. And we may not see the physical one as much as we see the emotional ones, the explosions within families or within, between a, a husband and a wife or within the culture at large. And it's just like a battle. So that's the war. Let your plans be dark and impenetrable as night. So God has done that. He has secrets. He's not revealed everything. He's given us what we need to know so that we can live this life the best way possible to navigate through the rebels of heaven and earth. He's given us that information. We often ignore it and we go on about our business and then we're just caught in the trap and going the same way that the rebels want us to go. He said, I've got something better for you. I want you to go another direction. Let your plans be dark and impenetrable as night. So then Jesus is born. Holy moly. Well, there's something. Jesus is born in Bethlehem. When the wise men come, you remember this from Gospel of Matthew, when the wise men come, and they go to Jerusalem. That's the capital city. The temple is there. People have no idea. They go, you know, we saw a star. You think, you know, a king's born. Where would the Messiah be born? And they have to go looking around. It's not like this is common knowledge. Wow, you know, there's a big star. It's not like around here we have lights on houses celebrating this. And we, This is a big thing. Nope. They just went around their, about their business. They had to search to look things up to figure out. What, now what? Well, I think there's something we can find in Scripture that said something about Bethlehem. They found, finally found something. We get the idea that the Lord, the Messiah, is highly anticipated in the sense that they are actually everyone looking for this savior that we know something about. They weren't. They had no clue. It's secret. It's a mystery. They don't know what's unfolding. God has kept it secret. Why? Because the enemies of God want to take down his messenger. And we'll get into that next week. His Messiah. His people. He doesn't want them to survive. So he's going, going to do, the enemies are going to do everything they can to crush it. That's the human rebels and the divine rebels are going to do everything they can to crush it. So God did not put in his book, here's this little line and you follow it from here and all of it adds up. Here's a whole book. Just open it to here, and then on page 33 it begins, and it will explain to you how the Messiah will arrive so that you guys can be ready to have a party when he shows up. No, it's a secret that he has held because he knew if he allowed them to see it, the rebels, human or divine, 
they would do everything in their power to crush it, to crush him, to crush the people who would be part of it. That is an issue. When Herod finds out where he's born, he sends soldiers to kill every baby in all that area. Just shotgun approach. Let's just kill them all. We don't know which one, so let's just kill them all. That gives you a clue why God kept it secret. Now, it's important to know because we are post-Jesus' first coming, the first advent. There's a second one. He's going to return, the second advent. So let's talk about that. Jesus is coming back, and when he returns, he's going to take over. So that's, I mean, heaven and earth. He's going to take over all of it. Does he give us all of that information? I just want you to, because if you're watching YouTube and reading a whole lot of books about, wow, there's this invasion in Israel, and, you know, Russia's going to line up, and here it is. We're in Ezekiel's 38, and the end is here. Bull. It's a secret. He didn't reveal it the first time. He didn't reveal it the first time. It was a mystery. He's giving us enough. He's revealed enough for us to follow. We are to be obedient to the things we are accountable for the things he has made known to us. That is what we do. The Lord our God has secrets known to no one. Jesus himself, son of God, says, I don't know when the end will come. Only the Father knows. The angels don't know. I don't know. Father knows. Why would he keep it a secret? Same reason he did the first time. There are enemies who want to destroy you, and he is trying to keep you safe. He's coming back. That part's for sure. They know it. That's why in the Gospels you find the demons going, whoa, is this the time? Are you, you know, we didn't realize. Yeah, he's coming. Do they know when, they, when it's all up? No, they don't know. Angels don't know. The demons don't know. And we don't know. And the guy on YouTube, he don't know. It's a secret. He will come. Do we have a clue as to some things that, should get us ready to keep us aware, to keep us, you know, looking to the skies? Well, sure. He's revealed some things to say, you know, I can come back and uh, I'll come back at any time. But you are not going to watch the news and figure out when that is. Because when I show up, we don't need cameras. When I show up, the world will know it. You won't miss it. That's why he says, you know, if people say, oh, the Lord's back, he's over here, he's over there, don't listen to him. Jesus said, they're going to do that, just don't, don't listen. I'm going to reveal to you what you need. So find out what that is and go with him wherever that leads. Because he knows what's around the corner, he knows what's over the hill, and he wants us to have the best life possible. But he's keeping those secrets. Paul, I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. Hmm. He's going to do some things to use in, in us, through his people, to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. He's doing things in us, through us, with us, to show them 
those invisible powers and authorities you can't see, that he is God, that he is the most high, that people really will be loyal to him because of who he is. They choose. You can choose. I will be loyal to him even in the quiet of the day and nobody's looking. I will choose him over everything else. He will be the priority in my life regardless of whatever else unfolds. I choose him. I choose him. And all those rulers, all the rebels, human and divine, will see it. And it will cause them to shake in their boots because they realize he is winning. And one day he comes back and they will have no other place to stand. He's coming. It's a secret. But he's working this out. Let your plans be dark and impenetrable as night. And when you move, you read the scriptures, fall like a thunderbolt. That's what he will do. He came the first time to gather, to get people, to offer help and direction. He didn't come as a wimp. He has power. The demons recognized it. They're the only ones who call him the son of God. Did you know that? Go through the go through the gospels. The rest of the people are oblivious. They just walk past him. He's in their midst. They go, hey. you know, we like the free lunch thing. We like, you know, no hospital bills. We we like all of that. That's cool. We'll take it. But if you're asking anything of us, we're out. And you'll see that over and over again. Whenever he asks something of them, like, are you ready to lay down your life and go do this? And they go, "Uh uh-uh. No, just here for the lunch. And they're gone. Not everybody, but a lot of them. He ends up hanging on a cross with the spectators being mainly scoffers. Mainly scoffers. John shows up. His mom's there, Mary. She shows up with, her, with the other Mary. We, we've got you know, some, some witnesses. But the majority, hmm, that's when you do get a response from the Roman. This man must be the son of God. You go, wow, that's, that's impressive. Just watching a man die, and he knew because he'd killed a bunch. He knew something different about him. God is at work. He's doing it in secret. There's a mystery. He's giving us information that can help us put life together and to live it properly with the angels of darkness opposed to us so that we can live in such a way that we bring honor to him and we can live an abundant life, which is also what Jesus promised. All of that. But it's not just showing up in our typical way, and it's not just buying Christmas, and it's, isn't that cute, Jesus, baby Jesus in the manger, and we got to come up with some gifts, and who's favorite food for the day, and you go, really? He rocked the world for this. He's unleashing on this world such power, and in such a magnificent way, When we talk about the light of the world, when he came, we mean it. When he came, 
the darkness was shattered. It changed things. When he came, he was king. No one born is king. When they're born, they're born a prince. Jesus came. King. Day one. He has not given up that right. He has all authority in heaven and earth. Do we understand it all? No, because God has secrets. He has revealed certain things, and we need to know them and run with them. Here's the landscape. This is when Jesus is coming. The uh, social side of this, the traditional Israel is, um, is trying to figure out, this is the country, the people of Israel, are trying to play, find a place in the dynamics of Greek, Greece and Rome in those cultures at the time. So they have been dealing with that since Alexander the Great came through. So they've had 300 years of, of some Greek, and they speak Greek. I mean, this is just a thing. They... They have been influenced by the teaching of, of Greece, by the gods of Greece. They have been uh, battling that. The Maccabee, Maccabees and Israel are fighting back. There's, there's a huge cultural thing that's, that's happening. Romans come in and take over, and they bring their gods and their power and their authority and their governmental ways of doing things. So they, Israel's trying to survive in the middle of that. They're not the independent nation. They, they lost that with the Babylonian captivity in 586 B.C. So they've had some time that they're just wrestling with who they are. They've come back from captivity, and they rebuilt the city. They put the walls up. They have the temple, and it's rolling. And, and Herod is, is adding to it. He's doing incredible building projects all around the area. Here's what the government does. When you read through Exodus and Leviticus and you see the priest, the high priest and, and their jobs, and you go, that is amazing, the things that are unfolding here. And God is at work. He puts together these incredible uh, scenarios and, and instructions for the people, very detailed instructions on what the priest is to do. And he's going to represent the people to God, God to the people, and this is, this is a huge job. God appoints the priests, the high priests, Aaron and, and the descendants. They all, they all have a job. We get to this time in history, and the high priest is appointed. It's a political thing. Whoever can work out the best deal and promise the most things to the government, and now they are running the temple. And those guys who are at the top, who are in the Sanhedrin are influenced and they get a better house, they get better pay, they got a better position. Jesus is not thrilled with this. God isn't thrilled with this, but that's what Jesus shows up in the midst of. He's he's dealing with that. Uh, Israel as a nation, as a physical entity, as a country of Zionists who just want that political uh, nation to exist, as much what we have today from 1948 when Israel came back into the land, they are a political nation, not a spiritual nation. They, they are, most of them are not Christians. Most of them are not Jewish, practicing Jewish religion. They are Zionists who are all in favor of having their own land, their own nation. So it's a different pressure when you're coming in and there's other entities around you putting on uh, 
the influence is coming from other directions. But Jesus is, is going to come into that. That's the landscape. The spiritual part of this, the preparation and exposure of spiritual powers, readying for war. When you read through Old Testament uh, stories, you're finding that the God of Israel, Yahweh, is in battle with the other gods of the nations, and they are having it out. The gods of Egypt, the gods of Canaan, there are things that are happening in, in various places. When you get to the New Testament, and Jesus shows up, he runs into demons, like right off the bat. He, he's dealing with Satan pretty quick, but we, we've, got, we've got spiritual powers, spiritual things that are breaking loose, and all of that is happening with him. And during the time from Malachi, often referred to from Malachi to Matthew, Old Testament, New Testament is 400 years. They'll say 400 years of silence because nobody was writing any scripture. But there's a lot of spiritual things that are going on. The battles are going on. First, Enoch, or the, the books of Enoch, Jubilee. The, the, there's records of these books that are showing up. God is moving. Stories are being told, and more information is being put together in those 400 years. And you go, wow, okay, so something spiritual is going on, and God is getting everybody ready for the coming of the Messiah. And when he shows up, he pulls all of that stuff together. It shows up in the New Testament. So how do we put this together? Bringing God and his people together, John as priest. So John, who's the cousin of Jesus, is serving as a priest. His mom and dad are descendants of Aaron. He is in the line. They, they are in the line of the priesthood. His father, Zechariah, goes into the temple serving because he's in the priesthood. And this, this is a group, these are really the traditional, uh, truly in-line, DNA, spiritually, all of that group of priests. There's a line of them that existed in, in first century Israel, different from the political ones who are working to get a job and be at the top of the heap in Jerusalem. So they come in, uh, Zechariah comes in, and he's supposed to do some work in in the temple. And so, yeah, we're, okay, so we're we're getting ready for this battle with spiritual powers. We're going to bring the Messiah in. We don't know how that's going to happen. Nobody wrote that book. We have it later, but they didn't have it. So Zechariah is just doing his job. As one of the priests in this particular group, they take turns and it's all organized and his group gets called up. It's time in the calendar for his group to show up in Jerusalem. And then they choose who gets to go in to the temple in front of the Holy of Holies. They don't go into the Holy of Holies. That's only the high priest. But the other priests have to go in there and they take care of the candles and the incense they gotta, they got to keep everything going because it's 24-7. This stuff has to happen. His time comes, the way they choose that group. So there's the calendar for the whole group, but the individual who goes in to do this work is chosen by lot. So he gets the short straw. He's the guy. So he goes in. And while he's there, that's when he runs into the angel Gabriel. So we're going to have an encounter. This is all in Luke chapter 1. So he gets into that 
into the temple in, in this holy place. This is the holy place for the priests. Not, again, not the Holy of Holies, but it's right in front of the curtain where that, it, the divide is. Gabriel, the angel, shows up and talks to him about having this baby. Well, Zechariah and Elizabeth are old, and they've never had children. So that's part of the, part of the issue. So we have a priest whose calendar shows up at exactly this moment so that in the time, the way that history is going to unfold, they're going to have a baby. Elizabeth's going to be pregnant. Gabriel says that's coming. Zechariah, the priest, is so uncomfortable with this, he's going, I don't think so. And, of course, he can't speak. So the sign is, you're not going to say anything until the baby's born, and you better name him John. So that's his, it's what he's got to do, and he's got it now because he can't speak. He goes out and tries to explain what happened. Nobody knows. God is keeping this thing secret. He's a priest. He's in the right line. His group shows up on that rotation. He gets the short stick short straw he gets to do the duty he's the one who's called when god called abram and sarah sarai to start with they were old hadn't had children and they were too old to have children and god says you're going to have children you're going to have a child you're going to have a son and from that son i'm going to build a nation and the miracle happened and that's how we got israel the people of Israel. It was a miracle. Here we have Zacharias and Elizabeth in a similar situation, and God is He's met with He's met with the angel. Gabriel has shown up. He gives him this information. So Gabriel's busy. So John is the priest. John John is, is a child of the priesthood. He's going to be born. He's six months older than Jesus. See the timing? What if his group, what if Zechariah's group didn't get chosen at the time they did? What if he didn't get the short straw when he did? There's a bunch of people in this thing, and if you've got a hundred of them, what are the chances you're going to get that straw and do it on that day so that this all lines up exactly as it's supposed to? Because God is at work doing his thing in the secret. and Behind the scenes, Zechariah has no clue Oh, I see what you're doing. You're going to get ready for the Messiah to be born. And my boy is going to help out. He's going to be the one announcing this. That's cool. Mm -mm. They don't know. Jesus is Savior. So we have John as priest. We have Jesus as Savior. Um, Also, Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of, the God, uh, all of the Lord's commands and regulations. So they were careful to listen to what, they had, what had been revealed. And God chooses them. Not, not because they earned that, but they, they were just listening. They were doing exactly what he said. You don't know everything. There are secrets that God keeps to himself. But what I've revealed to you is for you. They're following it. So that's in, in Luke 1. And then we pick up with Jesus, the Savior. So six months later, she has an encounter with 
Gabriel, the angel, in Nazareth. So he's, he's been at the temple, and now he's visiting with Mary, and she's chosen, and she is a, a descendant of King David. So we've got, we've got Aaron, the priest. Now we've got King David in, in, involved in this, and both she and, and Joseph have that uh, heritage. But she gets word, you're going to be the one to carry the child and uh, because you found favor with God. And she is like, wow. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. And then she is told that Elizabeth is pregnant and... Uh, the miracles happened up there. So the miracle in, with Elizabeth, miracle with Mary, and you saw the little video of them being t- getting together earlier today. And the Holy Spirit is is uh, giving this information, uh, or uh, the angel is giving this information about what how the Holy Spirit is going to operate. In contrast to Genesis six verses 1 through 4, where the sons of God, the sons of God, see women and they take them for sexual purposes and they have children. So we have the Nephilim who are, who are born from that encounter. They take on physical attributes. So what's different here? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. There was a, a violation of things, an uncleanness that took place because two uh, spheres were crossed. There's a number of reasons why there's some sexual things in, in the scriptures that are outlawed because it reflects this kind of crossing over thing. And that happened in Genesis 6. This happens when Jesus is going to be born and the Holy Spirit's going to come over her. But there's no coming in the flesh. And, and you'll come across some of those people saying things like that none of those things happen this truly is just the miraculous and the hand of god and he's at work doing something and that's why he's called holy there's no one like him he's born of a woman that's what genesis three fifteen says that the one who's going to come deliver is of the woman the seed of the woman doesn't say born naturally dad mom just the woman so we got that from genesis 3 And then you come all the way down to this, and you go, wow, something is happening here that is amazing. He gives them uh, some instructions. The Holy Spirit is there. The Holy Spirit, we're told Gabriel, or Gabriel passed on the information, the Holy Spirit will be on John, the baby, when he's conceived. So as a baby, the Holy Spirit, he's already filled with the Holy Spirit. So you just, you know, six, six months old, you're thinking this little kid has the Holy Spirit. He's already connected with God. He's already hearing from God. Information is already being sent. And when Mary, now pregnant with Jesus, shows up at Elizabeth's house, the baby leaps for joy. And all of a sudden, Elizabeth has all this information about what is going on. Where does that come from? The secret things of God have just now been revealed. The Spirit of God is in John, a baby, still in the womb, leaping 
the Holy Spirit gives Elizabeth information. She's be able to pass that information on. And she's excited. And here's this unbelievable thing that is unfolding. Because Elizabeth says, uh, she's gl- she gives a glad cry, exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? Where do you get that information? Holy Spirit is revealed to them. That's not in the book. They didn't have a pamphlet. Holy Spirit has revealed them in- to them information. And John, filled with Holy Spirit, is leaping. Holy Spirit's filling Elizabeth. And then this information's coming, pouring out. The baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Yep. You believed that the Lord would do what he said. So just, you know, take that in a practical moment and say, do I, with these things that you know from Scripture, the things that God says he will do, believe the things that he said, that he will do what he said he would do in your life? Or are you just angry at him because he hasn't done what you want him to do? But will he do what he says he will do? And in this case, you are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. When it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. When her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been merciful to her, everyone rejoiced. When the baby was eight days old, they all came For the circumcision ceremony, they wanted to name him Zechariah after his father. But Elizabeth said, no, his name's John. What? No one in your family named that. So they used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. He motioned for a writing tablet, and to everyone's surprise, wrote, his name is John. And instantly, Zechariah could speak and began praising God. Awe fell upon the whole neighborhood, and the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events. What will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord is surely upon him. Zechariah, filled with the Holy Spirit, gave this prophecy. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant. The covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear and holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. And you, my little son, will be the prophet of the Most High. Because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. John grew up, came strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he began his public ministry to Israel. That leads into just Jesus coming. That's just a precursor. That's just a bit of information before it even breaks Loose. I read the, on the possible history some idea of what happened to Zechariah. 
because John is, you know, kind of off on his own. But in this in this uh, potential history, he they live in the Judean hills, which are close to Bethlehem. Remember when Herod sent the troops to kill the babies? He's trying to kill all the babies. Zechariah is trying to protect his baby. John's still a baby. And as a result of trying to protect him, he gets Zechariah gets killed. And so that's kind of the end of his his time. And John goes on. And maybe that's why he was eating locusts and honey in the desert, because I didn't have a dad to show me how to grow veggies. I don't know. But off he goes. He's walking with the Lord. He believes what God has said. Mary's got that. But here's this whole line of things. The prophets have given them information, but the information they have is from different diverse places. The idea of Messiah is not in one location. There's not just one place you turn in the Old Testament scriptures that say this, the Messiah will be a suffering servant. He will be a warrior king. He will be of the line of David. He will be a priest like Melchizedek. He will be, mm, it's not there because it's a secret. It's a mystery. And the only way you find out is when, after the fact, the Holy Spirit reveals that information and you can look back. Jesus gives part of that information in Luke 24 on the way to Emmaus. He's talking to those guys after his resurrection and they're saying, wow, we don't, you know, Jesus came and we don't know what all happened. And he just says, let me tell you. And he tells them from the scriptures, from the Hebrew scriptures, this is what happened. This is who he is. This is how it unfolded. And then when they sit down to have communion, uh, have dinner, they're just sitting down together. Jesus breaks bread and gives thanks, and he disappears from the table. Gone. And they go, oh, that was him. That's when they got it. Then they got up, ran back, and said, boys, you ain't going to believe this. He shows up. He shows up in history, and he showed up in the history of humanity. The battle is on. Divine beings who are opposed. There are human beings who are rebellious. Our hearts are rebellious until we give them to the Lord. We submit. We humble ourselves before him and we listen to him. And then we do what he says to do. We can ask the question why, but just understand there are things that are secret to the Lord that will will remain a mystery. He's not going to tell you everything. But what he does tell you, he expects you to listen to and to do what he says because he is trying to give you the best life possible and to do it in this time, in this world, recognizing that there are unseen authorities and powers around you. Some on your team, some opposed. But he is trying to walk you through that so that you can navigate this life and honor him as you do. Finding favor. Finding favor from Luke one forty-five. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. And he has indeed. He brought the Messiah. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for uh, sending Jesus. Thank you for keeping the scriptures. Thank you for revealing the, through the writings that we even have today. So much information. And though we may not understand all of the mysteries and secrets, you've given us what we need. Lord, I pray that we would be uh, ready to receive even more 
that we might hear, that we might truly listen to what you say and do what you've given us to do. Thank you, Lord, for our Messiah, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.
Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal comfort and a wonderful hope comfort you and strengthen you in every good thing you do and say. Amen.